podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite Wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. All right, we're getting rolling right here from Casa Matt Hall, which that means, Matt, I, I need to keep a database to figure out where you versus Jimmy are for the most all-time appearances. Neck and neck. Yeah, and this is a big one. You know, you're getting in on him. And guess what? If you haven't picked it up from either Twitter, Instagram, wherever we pimp the show out, we have another debutante, the second person from K-Man to join our show. The second one, Mr. J.L. Kurtz. John, welcome. I am very honored that I was introduced as a debutante. That is what is that? that is yeah. like a $10 word, man. That's a great word. It means it's my debut. I didn't know what it meant, actually. Yeah, it, it comes. Did you, did you notice, though, Kurtz, when the Boscos record here, we do it upstairs instead of downstairs? Yeah, I mean, you know, well, we've done it upstairs. Have we did we it did, up here we did uh, North Dakota State the uh, we did retro up here. You're right. Yeah. So we've I just, done. I just didn't want you to feel bad that we get another another pod recording here, and all of a sudden now we're in the nice room. Well, you know? you, well this is what the, is this the second different podcast to record from your house? Have there ever been three different shows? I guess just two. Now that you think about it, yeah, yeah, although never, do you call done, retro I mean, a completely right? Different is that show? different? Yeah. And we've done some YouTube or Twitter lives right, here. Twitter Those live, aren't pods, yeah. but I mean, if if I wanted to be like really like trying to like if I was building a resume, right, apply for a job, and we, we kind of not lie, but you know, mislead or you you know, I'd say exaggerate. I would say a number of shows, KSO show, KSO yeah. retro, YouTube live, Twitter live, Bosco's boys. Um, and those five, that's five right there. I mean, so yeah, at least five shows have um, originated from this from this house. All right, so if my bookie sponsor of Bosco's Boys use promo code BOYS to get a fifty percent deposit match, were to put an over under on different <laughs> different well completely shows to be recorded from your house in the next twelve months, where would you set the line? Okay. So can I different than the ones that already have or just no or just from, just from this point forward? So I, this doesn't. I bet count. you I could rationalize. How long do I get? A year? Yeah, in the next twelve months. Where would you set the over at? Sponsor of the show, my bookie. Use promo code boys to get a fifty percent deposit up to a thousand dollars. If I were going to go to my bookie, Kurtz, where I believe if you use promo code boys to get what I heard. deposit up to five. A thousand dollars. Thousand dollars. Fifty percent deposit it. match up to a thousand dollars. I could make seven happen because I can count all the five I discounted. Seven, and then sneak a couple seven. more in. Maybe, maybe I can get you in. Are um, you talking to the short side option guys? You could have them. Maybe I could have yeah. you and you and Mason do your thing, like your your Kansas City deal. I could oh, get me right. and Mitch to do our. our we got to start an A. Boy, yeah, that Kansas City podcast that's really taken off. Well, the, uh, me and Mason do Kansas listen, City or whatever that's called. I love that. The one episode was really no, no, two. Good. Oh, two we had two. Listen, yep. that thing's going to get bigger. Once you don't have just baseball to talk That's what about, she said. and me and Mason, <laughs> me and Mitch, I mean, we have not done our wrestling pod, but when AEW starts up weekly, I think that's when we should start it. And me and Mitch should just yeah. completely homerize AEW. And there's seven. There's seven. I could. That's, do that's seven. actually. You know what? You did it. I could do it. You did it. Seven. 
Well, and then when AEW, is that the name of mm-hmm. it, starts mm-hmm. going weekly, you can get tickets using SeatGeek. Promo code ACAA for $20 off your first purchase. And here's a little trick, and I hope they don't listen to this because I don't know if they'll <laughs> like this. But if you've already used the promo code, you can create a new one using another what? email address oh. and use it again. And the fun thing about email addresses is, yes, the Russians might hack you, but you can create as many as you want. It's so true. those are the great sponsors you guys have already heard from. These two, and what I would say are two of the biggest names in K-State sports journalism, no maybe doubt. of all time. I don't know. <laughs> hey. Uh, hey, you know, I, I, it's, I, it's like it's in the eye of the is, beholder. What you is, know? Uh, what is Vince, Vince in uh, Entourage? Like, I am Queens Boulevard. I am like, Queens Boulevard. I right? am K-State sports hey, media. Hey, I am K-State sports media. We've been watching a lot of Entourage lately. Have you watched Entourage? I haven't, but you guys, it's kind of spurred me on to yeah. want to watch it, even though I hear it's now pretty problematic. It, it's terrible. I mean, but I enjoy <laughs> yes, it. You know? It's not like, aged well, man. It's not. It's not. Not aged well. Well, it is what it is, and hopefully this show will age better than Entourage. And by that, I mean it won't because come like three months from now, none of this will be prevalent. But, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Who knows? you know. What were you going to say? I said, who knows? Maybe we'll say something so ridiculous and we'll look back in three months and say, remember that time Kurtz was on Bosco's and guaranteed that K-State was going to win eight games or something? Like, they could have some yeah. shelf life. Hey, no, we're going back to AT&T Stadium. No, we're oh, not. no doubt. I'm kidding. We could, yeah, we could go year, anyway. Next year for media days. So, uh, <laughs> during this summer uh, show, Grant and I also shout out to Grant, not here. So, um, not really sure where he no is. No Grants here today. Yeah, no Grants. There's no Flando. There's no Grant Copeland. They're, they're off doing their own between two Grants. So, I'm trying um, to leave another Grant to include, but I couldn't. I don't think there is another No Grant Gregory. Grant Hill. No Grant Hill. <laughs> Grant Hill would be a fun one to <laughs> that add That would be a good guess. Yeah. yeah. But uh, basically throughout the summer, we've been doing just fun shows. We've been doing the draft. We've had a couple interviews. Um, so I'm just taking this time to reset all the news that has happened this summer uh, to, you know, you know, get back to the meat of things. There yeah. hasn't been enough for, you know, one full show. So I've accumulated some of the funner, well, some of these aren't fun. Some just stories that have happened, and I got you two uh, studs to talk about it with me. So we will jump in, and uh, we've already put Peter to sleep. Yep. <laughs> he is bored. Hopefully everyone else is having a good time. So the biggest story, I think, throughout the entire summer was the whole – uh, Hunter Ryzen situation. Granted, that started in late spring, but we've been waiting for some conclusion to it. There was a couple court dates that got moved, but eventually, even before the, uh, I think he pleaded guilty to domestic battery, he was uh, transferring. I'm trying to think of the politically correct thing, but I think based on some of the stuff Chris Common said, he was told to leave. So, first off, uh, either one of you can take this first. How do you grade Chris Kleiman's handling of the entire situation? And are you happy with the conclusion it came to? Yeah, I think uh, uh, certainly a passing grade. Like uh, the the initial, I mean, like what, and Matt can speak more to this than I can, but the initial stuff that we heard about it was like, okay, I mean, he's going to be gone. Once, once that first uh, arrest came out, it, it seemed like the decision had pretty much already been made by K-State. But for a number of reasons, liability-wise for the university, I, I think they did have to – hold on and just wait for the legal process to play out with all of that and then you had Hunter Ryzen himself going out there and trying to vehemently defend himself on social media so like that had the potential to get much much messier than it did like I, I remember having some conversations with Matt when that all first went down and we're thinking like man this this could wind up getting fairly messy and be something that is a distraction and something to deal with uh, but in the end 
having it be, okay, he's going to go transfer is a nice way for everybody. I think, like, both sides probably was was the best-case scenario there. So, I mean, I, I think you got to go A or B in terms of how K-State and Chris Kleiman handled it. I feel very much the same. If I was going to give a grade, I don't know. I don't know how I argue less than an A or maybe a high B. I'm sure there's, all, there's always things you can do better, but – you know, like Kurtz, I don't, I don't want to speak out of turn or say things I shouldn't, but but when this first happened, um, K-State was very concerned about it. And, yeah, like what he said, I think the, the thought was right away, like this is this is probably it for Hunter Ryzen. K-State was pretty upset, you know, with what was going on with, you know, the situation and that kind of stuff. So, um, But uh, I think as Kurtz verbalized really well, you do have to slow down sometimes and not jump to a conclusion. When, especially, especially like John said, when one person is so strongly denying it and just saying no, 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 this isn't true. Uh, but I, I don't know. I don't know of a better outcome for ev- every party. What obviously happened is bad. You know, I mean, there, I, I don't laugh because it's funny, but I mean, I, I understated it. That's why. But you know, all parties are apart and other places. Hopefully, get to move forward with their lives. And and yeah, I think I think. Uh, I think from from after what happened, I, perfect, virtually. I wouldn't have changed the way they handled it hardly at all. I agree with you. I, I would not have wanted it to go differently. Uh, I believe actually the first I heard of it was when we were recording that yearbook episode up at the top. Of yep, you're Telegrass right. I remember Tap that. Yeah. We, it wasn't we, out yet, right? No, it yeah. was not out yet. You and I were talking about it, and I think I looked you in the eye and said, I sure hope he never plays for Kaysen. He's gone. And yep. I think even all the way back then, you were pretty confident that that's eventually how it was right. going to end up. And I, you know, I give him an A and uh, how he handled it. And it could have been so easy to give him like a four game suspension because of how badly they need wide receivers. Right. And I'm just glad that that is not the route they decide to go. And it turns out to be the right decision, right? Because in the end, Hunter Ryzen winds up pleading guilty anyway. You know, yep. So if you are trying to play that angle of, all right, we're going to go Kansas and Puka Williams here and try and find some way to you know, shoehorn this guy in here still, you would have had egg on your face when the, the guy turns around and, and right. winds up pleading guilty. So that's a part of what, what made it really a good solution for everybody. Yep, so going back to the idea of needing wide receiver help, I think that's another thing that has plagued off-season talk on message boards on Twitter is, hey, folks feel confident in Skylar Thompson, but who is he going to throw it to? I know on our show he said that Malik Knowles was the most talented player on the team on your podcast, Faithful to Our Colors, he raved about Mr. Youngblood, true freshman coming in. And Dalton Schoen had a really good, you know, outing himself at media days. So, you know, what are your guys' thoughts on how the wide receiver cores are thought about right now? And will that change by the end of the season? I think there's a lot that will have to shake out throughout the season because you're, you know, gone – is Isaiah Zuber, who was going to be probably the, the steadying force along with Dalton Schoen. I mean, a lot of this, they're going to be good. It's going to have to come from Malik Knowles and Josh Youngblood uh, quite a bit. I mean, like maybe Keenan Garber, but I, I, it sounds like the other two much more likely to see a bunch of playing time. We've had this discussion before. I, I, I know that wide receiver is a concern, but I'm probably more optimistic about the chances of it turning into at least a, a passable wide receiver core. Um, I think Dalton Schoen kind of is what he is. He, he's probably number two, number three receiver. Uh, but Malik Knowles, to me, like that, that kid has a chance to be uh, a legitimate number one receiver. Now, is it going to happen this early? I, I don't know. 
Um, but we've seen the change in Skylar Thompson since the new coaching staff has been here. And I feel like Malik Knowles is probably another candidate to take a big jump as far as that is concerned, just getting a fresh start with a new coaching staff. So if you throw that in along with guys like we, we don't talk about Wyking Gill, right, but exactly. uh, everyone's saying that Wyking Gill had the best spring of any receiver that's out there. And I know that I've heard that from multiple people. Uh, it's tough to get over that walk-on stigma, a guy who started as a walk-on quarterback. But I legitimately do think he can he can make some plays. Like, I think they have a lot of good supplementary receivers. Like, Phillip Brooks is another one I think that can play, like Seth Porter. But the problem is they're, they're lacking, like, the number one guy, like exactly. the big number one guy. And so I think that's where, to me, a lot of it just rests on Malik Knowles. Like, is Malik Knowles going to step in and be that guy? You guys are just smart. I mean, I really – it's, it's you know, I'm going to rant for a second and then talk. It's just cool uh, – People all the time talk about, hey, you, you reference Faithful for the Colors in this show. There are just a lot of places like this show you can hear this kind of talk. And it's fun for me as a still a fan, you know, to sit here and listen to this. But yeah, I'm glad he brought up Joaquin Gill because uh, I, I, I'm not trying to miss. I think I think you know, Malik Knowles and Joshua Youngblood are probably better long-term options than Joaquin Gill. But he's right. The walk-on stigma gets to him. And Joaquin Gill is not one of those guys who... I don't want to use the wrong turning. He's not turning. He's not your stereotypical walk-on. The guy was a good athlete at a high school. He, you know, if he played a different position at a high school and had different opportunities, he probably could have been a scholarship player. And like Kurt said, Chris Kleiman said definitively. I mean, like you know, without pulling any punches, that Wyking Gill was their best receiver in the spring, and it wasn't. You know, he didn't make it sound like it was close. I'm also glad. I know this is the name I bring up. I think people people uh, shrug or laugh at, but I think he'll play. You mentioned Seth Porter. I mean, the kid is the second fastest player on the team. He's up, you know, he's tiny, he is, but he is listed now like 5'8", 175, which is significantly bigger than guys like Brandon Banks or Aaron Lockett or that kind of stuff. So if you have elite speed, which he has, you can help at this level. I don't think he's one of their top five receivers. So I'm not trying to say Seth Porter, Seth Porter, but I think you guys nailed the important ones. I mean, I think, you know, Malik Knowles, uh, Joshua Youngblood, I think those two really have to step up, of course, because of the loss. But I think, yeah, I think guys... Like Philip Brooks, too. I think Kellis Robinette was the only person I've seen reported so far, but is you know being on scholarship. Seth Porter. There are guys, and I think it's a better group than I gave it credit for. But I'm still concerned because I'm like, when they're just going too wide, you know, who are they going to put out there who can win one-on-one -on -one battles when there's going to be coverage? Because there's not enough receivers out there to to confuse the secondary into who to cover. So if the play action doesn't bring a guy wide open, you know, who is going to go win a battle? And Malik Knowles is probably the guy best suited to do that. And I probably should have, I probably should have said more about Youngblood. Like th there is so much positive talk so much, about yeah. him. I Part of the reason I don't is because like they were talking about using him on jet sweeps and stuff, just like creative ways to get him the ball. And, and so I wasn't considering him just like a pure receiver, but uh, Skylar Thompson, that conversation that he had with me, was talking about the first time that, they got out and, and threw the ball around. Youngblood didn't even have his, his gear there. He had to throw on someone else's gear, so he's not totally comfortable, whatever. But that he was still flying down the field on post patterns where Skyler knew he could just air it out and let him run under it and that he was able to and had really, really good speed. So that would tell you that he's a guy that can be a legitimate deep threat for the team. So, you know, Youngblood's another guy that really carries a lot of the potential for the ceiling of that wide receiver group to raise. And I'm, I'm – legitimately very excited for him I there was a good thread on KSO the other day why was Joshua Youngblood a two-star right. recruit a 5-4 two-star I mean like I think it's a great question just based on everything we're hearing and we saw him like body type wise like he's, that up. Yep. physically looks like he's ready to play in the big 12 yep he, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because we saw him at camp I don't know three or four weeks ago not K-State camp but a, a K-State recruiting camp 
And I didn't know exactly who he was right away, but his back of his shirt said Youngblood, so that helped, you know, and I figured it out. But, yeah, for a guy who's listed, I don't even have it in front of me. What is he listed at? 5'10", 5'11", like 185, 190? He's yeah, not, I think 5'10". He's not, you would picture a small freshman receiver, not physically ready. But the way he's built, like, yeah, through – I'm not calling him fat. He's not fat. I'm just saying he's – but through the midsection, through the butt, that kind of stuff, like, he is thick. He's thick with right. three Cs. Right. I mean, exactly. Yeah, he's got yeah. that Carby Irvin build a little bit to where – and it's a compliment because if he's still a good athlete, they're saying he's going to be able to take more contact um, than I would have projected. So, yeah, he's – uh, absolutely not somebody we should just gloss over because I, he'll probably be a a significant part of the offense in game one. I mean, it wouldn't it surprise me if he wasn't. The next question I had on here, I had a couple of things to talk about how Les Miles handled the Puka Williams situation in contrast to how K-State handled the Hunter Ryzen thing. But I think that has been talked about so much. I don't think we all really need to touch on that quite quite again you know it is what it is by the time this comes out it's going to be over a week since it happened I think that's going to be slammed into everyone's uh you know head so I want to go to media days which uh, I was fortunate enough to be at and I have a question to ask you guys to replace that K-State came with an absolute force down there they had all their social media folks gene taylor was there and he was like the bell of the ball like you know all the big 12 officials bullsby was all around him he was holding court at the hotel bar he was the man out there but they rolled you know 20 people deep i didn't see a contingent like that from anyone else um why do you think that was and is that out of the norm since that's only the first time i've been there is that something that happens more often and i just don't see it so they I mean they typically will bring a decent like they'll bring a couple video guys they they did a little bit of that last year and in preceding years but it, it was more I mean you're right it was more they had um the the new kid I don't know if I'm Bo Savage here okay oh, I'm sorry hey I love Bo I was yeah. fortunate enough to chat with him a little bit Bo is a stud I'm happy to he have is. him on board. he is he does great work and um, does a lot of the like football edits and stuff like Photoshop that you see. So he was there, and I know like Chris Coots, who's uh, just a whiz genius with uh, social media stuff. I mean, he was there in addition to some of the video guys. So I, I think they just they're going all in on being able to do more. I mean, they have the access now and the ability to do that. There's no real restrictions on anything, so they're trying to take as much advantage of that as they can. Um, and I, I think it's really smart. And I think a lot of the stuff that they did looked pretty cool even like Mm -hmm. Corbin McGuire who was there doing the K-State Sports Extra thing um he wound up doing a a really cool like running diary of of everything that was there so I yeah I thought they did a great job it was probably I would just say it was it was beefed up a little bit like they the baseline had always been there in terms of who they bring but it was it was beefed up a little bit and they again just continue to to use it to their advantage I mean like I say this all the time on my show but the, the guys that they have, guys and gals that they have there in like K-State HDTV and doing social media and marketing stuff at K-State like are very, very good, like incredibly skilled. You just didn't really know it before because they weren't allowed outside of a little bit with basketball to, to utilize those skills. And now we're getting a chance for, for those guys to shine, and I'm really happy for them because they, they deserve a lot of recognition for what they do. No doubt. I mean, just to kind of add to the all the names you mentioned – also on top of that, of course, Kenny Lanou there, Ryan Lackey there. You expect that, you know, the sports information guys, but then Emily Starkley. So we've rattled off, what, six, seven, eight names, you know, of, you know, whether it's SIDs, photographers, social media people, whatever. And Kurtz is right. Like, they, they've come before, 
And I've only been to a couple of these, you know, since I started back up again. So, and also, I'm going to cop out by saying I wouldn't necessarily know if I'm looking at Iowa State, right? You know, or these guys with them. But um, from what I know, I thought K State took that event, the Big Big Twelve Football Media Days, probably as serious or more serious than any other school. You know, they brought five kids, six if you count Denzel Goolsby. They probably dressed up more than any other school there, or at least tied for number one. They brought as much social media, whatever we talk about, as anybody there. They took it and used that event as a recruiting tool. As you know, Kurt's talked about some of the cool stuff they tweeted out, whether it was from a number of different people, but they were talking about, hey, do you want to play early? Come to K-State. Hey, remember Carson Winston, Easton, second quarterback, come to K-State. Like, they, they – I've seen, and this is not a Bill Snyder knock. A lot of schools do this. A lot of people take this as something we just have to go do. And maybe in three years, Chris Kleiman will too. You know, I mean, it may become that. It's new for, it was new for us too this year in a certain way. But that said, they, they use this. This is something that could just be thrown away. I'm going to back up and say, we, I criticized the spring game. I didn't, like, I didn't like the format. I didn't like how I thought it was something they didn't take advantage of. And I was critical of that. So if I'm going to do that, they did the opposite of this. They, 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 this is something you could have said, doesn't matter, Big 20 days, who cares? They made an event they wanted to try to make their program better from, and I, I'll praise them for that. I'll also add this. I mean, you brought up Gene Taylor. Like, I get so frustrated with fans that just assume that he's like this putz that, yeah. <laughs> that doesn't have any, that not Gene Taylor. any cachet or anything to him at all. Because like you said, like, I mean, we saw him hanging out at the hotel bar, like just totally holding so, – like just being the guy, the center of attention with a bunch of – Big 12 officials and, you know, maybe a, another Big 12 80 or two. But the whole day, I mean, he's just walking around. like, And it, it's not just that he's a pretty popular guy there, but he was there and active and engaged the whole time. Like, he's going around and kind of working the room and talking to people, which I think is Came important. media function, too, from 4 to 6, whatever that day, right? Didn't he? Right, yeah. right. He did. And, and he, you know, he would not just everybody else in the conference, but us, those of us that came there, like, I understand a lot of people will look at that with skepticism and say, well, you like him because he's nice to you and does interviews and comes up and talks. I mean, certainly that helps. Right. But, like, I'm telling you, it is not just us that like him. Like, he is – he's a pretty affable guy, and that translates all across the league and to what he's doing. Like, I just think – I think he swings a bigger stick than people realize because he's not loud and he's not – pushing a bunch of stuff on you like John Curry was or like, you know, name your AD that you, you like in the Big 12 conference. Like his his demeanor is a little bit more laid back, but that doesn't mean that – I'm trying to think of the best way to say it. Like he's laid back, but it doesn't mean that he's weak he, And he's not, all. yeah. And people think – we're turning this into a Gene Taylor defense pod, but people think, yeah, he's weak or simple because he's not. Like, I mean, he's a, he can have a fun, like, joking edge to him. I, yeah. Uh, I could go on forever too. Like he's not perfect, of course, but I think if you look at Gene Taylor's Twitter, and that's Gene Taylor. You're you're wrong. That is not who that is. And that and is that his fault for not changing it? Sure, that's a different discussion, whatever. But that's not who Gene Taylor is. And the people who know Gene Taylor, and I'm not saying I do because I just talked to him a few times. But yeah, he has a different level of clout than what you would think from his his social. Yeah, media there you go. Account. That's a good way to say clout. It. He has some legitimate clout. He yeah. does. And I, you know, I I was watching the entire event almost kind of in awe of it all, especially on that first day. I saw, you know, I think four out of the five ADs on day one. I don't actually think I saw uh, Mr. Long from KU. He might have been there, but I didn't see him. But none of them were just walking around and conversing with different Big 12 officials. Gene was the only guy I saw. You know, I think uh, the Texas guy, is it still DeLoss? Is he still? I don't even – is it DeLoss? No, Dodds? it's, no, it's uh, Del, no, Del Conte. No, Crystal Conte. Crystal Conte. Yeah, 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 the old TCU so guy. So, I saw him walking around with uh, – w- uh, 
with Miss uh, Tom Herman. Right. Wow. I, phew, I had Texas a coach. Mo- who knows? Less miles. He said he had a less miles. Uh, oh. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, but he was like hiding after that. Like he was walking with him in the tunnel, got him over to the media, but he was just hiding. He didn't want anyone to talk to. And that's just not the way Gene or really any of the K-State folks were. They were more than willing to talk to anyone. So I just thought that was a cool thing. We'll move on and stay on media days. Uh, Chris Kleiman, I thought, had one of the best podium sessions. I think he was even better in the scrum afterwards, immediately after. How would you guys grade out Chris Kleiman and how he handled himself in that first media day, which is drastically different than what he was used to in the Missouri Valley? Yeah, I thought it was great. Uh, he w- he was telling me last year, Missouri Valley didn't even have like a media day. They just have a, a teleconference. So he goes from That's a so teleconference to Jerry World and, you know, all the media and everything that, that came with that. I thought he did great. I mean, I think like Matt said, K-State realized that this is important, being that it's his first time there in front of a lot of uh, regional and national media. I mean, there was a handful of national media there. Obviously, all the Fox Sports guys like Bruce Feldman, um, Adam Rittenberg from ESPN I know was there. I mean, like, so it was a chance – to try and get your message out there about how it's going to be different. And I thought there were two things in particular he did well. Um, Outside of the fact that just one in general, you can tell he's so comfortable. He was not intimidated, right? Like everyone thinks it's this guy going from FCS, little podunk football to the big time, and he'd be intimidated by it. He didn't look intimidated by it at all. He was completely in control. As opposed to like Neil Brown. I thought Neil Brown seemed a little bit uncomfortable with all of it and with the spotlight and was a little bit nervous. And that's a guy who was at a group of five job and had been a coordinator at Power 5. So that stands out to me. But he, he got the questions, obviously, about uh, succeeding Bill Snyder. And I thought he did a great job in basically saying, like, look, Bill Snyder built up the foundation that we have to operate with here, but I'm going to do this a little bit differently. And I thought it was a very good answer where you're kind of playing the hits in terms of what you need to say. And then the other thing was the fact that, yes, he – used it as like a, a chance to recruit where he's talking about – we joke about it a little bit, but mentioning Carson Wentz yeah. and, and Easton Stick and the guys he's tutored, but that makes sense. And to be fair, he got asked a question, how do you lure a four- or five-star recruit here to K-State? He said, look, we got a lot of playing time. We're going to push that, and I have the cachet of coaching guys that have been in the NFL. Didn't take that time to make any excuse or say like, well, hey, you know, we just do what we can, and if they come, they come. If they don't, they don't. No, he was – he was out there trying to make a push legitimately for his program, and I thought that all came across really well. I was – we had all experienced him. All of us have. You you know, so we all knew what he was like. So I was curious, all the things Kurtz just described, would he be able to do that in a setting in front of, I don't know the number, but 500 media people, you know, and then 50 in a scrum and then 30 constantly. And I had some doubts. I, I, mean, I thought, yeah, he's – you know, after, especially after watching Les Miles, you know, a little bit. And I thought Matt Wells did well. But, I mean, I, I thought, yeah, first time he's not going to look like the guy we see in veneer. And he did. I mean, he was just as calm, just as controlling of the room. And the thing that I, I have a hard time verbalizing this that I really like about him and I think is unique is when you report, you know, you see a coach or a player answering questions, they have this natural desire to make the person asking feel good. You know, like you want to make people feel comfortable. You want to say whatever question Kurt's asked me, I want to say something like, yeah, great question, you're right. Chris Kleiman has a way of, of 
of being very honest with his answer without making you feel stupid, but he's not going to go out of his way to answer the answer you want to think. And I can think of two examples. And you were talking about the Bill Snyder stuff. That's what came to mind. And I think you were here over at one of the little sidebar things. This was the breakout. Ginny Carlson from I think the Oklahoman or whatever mm-hmm. asked a Snyder question and what you've, what have you, you know, looked through from Bill Snyder's past or looked through or done from him to, to get the blueprint? And his wording was something like, honestly, nothing. Like, I haven't taken the time to sit down and go through all everything Bill. And I mean, like, and you wouldn't expect that answer. You'd expect any coach to say, oh, he's the greatest of all time. So I did this. And he said nothing. Like, I've, he, he built our program. I, you know, he's the greatest. We, we have similarities. But I'm not going to sit here and, and reach out to him and talk to him because it's his program. And I thought that was unique. It shows confidence in saying, no, it, it's me. And then the recruiting question I asked him, you know, like, I mean, because I, I, I thought he'd be surprised to have 18 commitments by June. And that's a chance for him to say, oh, you're right. But he's like, no, I expected it. It's what we were supposed to do. So I think the media got to see that it's a rare guy who's going to sit there and not go out of his way to tell you as a reporter, you're, you've asked a great question and you're right, um, but give you, you know, good answers so i know we're sitting here and we're praising the coach and praising the ad and we're k-state guys and i get all that but they had good days there it, it was what it was they were they did they, he did a good job and it isn't just us saying that you know after all that was done i talked with the folks from 104 7 the horn mm-hmm. down in texas and the salina guys were over near us just asking when they heard oh hey a random k-state podcast what are you right. doing here so we talked about <laughs> that but then we uh we we talked about it and the overall impression with him was he was one of the big winners of that entire week right yeah I mean I I think like in general there was still a pretty low level of care for K-State you know from I mean you know if you're ranking oh where K-State is on that list but I think those that did you know pay some attention to that were like okay yeah this is good like for instance I went back and I knew it was a Tulsa radio host that asked the question about four and five star recruits so I went and listened to his show where he played that little clip and like he was very, very uh, surprised pleasantly with how that was answered. Like he he legitimately really liked the answer and talked about that. I mean, he spent a segment talking about Chris Kleiman. So I think I think the best way I could say it, I've always struggled with this, but I'll just be very blunt and honest because on, on Bosco's, I can just be less reporter. I feel like a yeah, more, you can more say mad. whatever you want. Just no slurs, no slurs. When Chris Kleiman was hired, a lot of people, I think, thought. Podunk, FCS, North Dakota State, going to be a real nice dude. He's going to be an over his head. I probably had a thought somewhat like that. I think a lot of people are projective of that. That's not who he is. Chris Kleiman is more, and I'm going to watch my wording and explain it, he's closer to being a little bit cocky than he is, aw shucks, you know, over, over, overly nice guy. Yeah. He's very nice, but he thinks he's pretty good. And he thinks his plan's pretty good, and he thinks his program's pretty good. And I think that's what surprises people is he's not – so lucky to be here. Can't believe it. Who would have thought? Who would ever imagined a guy from North Dakota or from the FCS? Could, that's not how he talks. Like, he thinks he belongs. And I think that's what strikes people who aren't used to talking to him, is he's not a jerk by any stretch. He's very polite and very kind. But he's not going to sit there and just say, oh, thank, thank, thank God you're here asking me questions because I didn't think anybody would. Like, he thought he belonged. And um, I think he's, he's just a much more confident personality than people project, than I projected. Would totally personally. agree with that. Yeah, totally agree. So the last two things I'm going to touch on on media days is, and this I believe happened in the scrum. It didn't happen at the podium, and he might have talked about it at the breakout sessions, but I was a bit surprised by two kind of personnel pieces of news he broke. Um, Hayes, the transfer Mm -hmm. uh, safety, not eligible, and that was a little surprising to me because they were very bullish every time they talked about it up until that point where he said, hate got denied and then Leonard's it was brought up you know hey you know 
how healthy is his knee really? And he said, I, I think he said he still hasn't even gotten on the field. He's getting used to his knee brace. I might have that exact quote a little off, but on those two pieces of information, A, how surprising are you or how surprised are you that the trans, the immediate waiver was denied, especially in the summer of, you know, it seemed like for you know a month everyone was getting accepted. And Nick Lenners, how concerned are you that it sounds like he still isn't up to 100%? Not surprised on the uh, the Hayes thing. I mean, like, I, I understand that a lot of other high-profile cases have worked out where guys are being and, – and you do see it more and more frequently, it seems like now. But, you know, I mean, I think there probably is something to – sometimes it's a little conspiratorial. But, like, you know, K-State's lower on the pecking order than some of those high-profile, like a Tate Martell. Um, so I did not expect that to go through. It's unfortunate because I think – uh, special teams is really why that's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I think he would have been a, a good return man for K-State, which they're going to need to try and find some wins in the margins like like they had before, and uh, obviously being a good team on, on special teams would help that out. So it, it sucks, but it kind of is what it is, is really the way that I, that I view that. And, like, Nick Lenners is concerning because I know, like, you know, man, I'm sure we'll speak more to it, but I think you guys have had pretty good insight on that, that, like, you know, I mean – Nick Lenners can be a huge part of the offense if he does get healthy, but it has not been – like, that was a pretty serious injury that that he had to deal with, and they're pretty thin at tight end right now. I mean, like, they, they really need Nick Lenners to be in there and be good and healthy and ready to go because you're talking about a guy that last year, Bill Snyder not thrown to the tight end and all of that, like, they were using him on that first drive against South yeah. Dakota. Like, he was set to be a big part of the offense and, and then went out. So, you know, for a team that – needs fullbacks and tight ends and H-backs. They're very thin right there. Nick Lenners becomes actually a pretty underrated uh, key piece of, of what needs to go right for next season to be successful. I don't know if I could add anything. You know, that was all great. I mean, to the Hayes stuff, I feel the same. I was surprised, but not because I, you know, had information or expected it to be different. I'm just happy-go-lucky optimist and figured, up. Oh, lots of kids get him approved. He will too, and he didn't, you know, of course, and I probably should have realized that was what was going to happen. And on Lenners, yeah, I mean, like, it was troubling to hear, and there's been people on our board sharing similar thoughts that they've heard he's not, you know, all the way back, and and I don't think he is. I mean, as as Kurt said, we have some people pretty close to the situation who are very helpful, and and I do still overall have faith that I, I bet you when the lights come on I mean, and when the season starts – I think Nick Lenners will be good to go in pretty much 100%. But the reality is he's not right now. Even if he is technically, even if his knee's better and he's good and he can't be injured from it, he sounds like he's still not running around with extreme confidence, you know, in that in that brace perhaps just yet. Um, I think he'll be fine, but I'm saying think instead of like, oh, Nick Lenners is fine. You know, two, three months ago I was going to say, oh, come on, Nick Lenners will be just fine when the season starts. Now I still think it, but I, I'm starting to wonder. And, and it is a big deal because I think, just as Kurt said, I think Nick Lenners is a – from a physically gifts perspective, an all big 12 potential type tight end. And like Kurt said, nothing says that better than K-State was going to force feed him the ball, you know, last year when they got near the red zone. So they thought he was good too, of course. But yeah, it, it matters because after him, tight end, I mean, everything, you know, Blaze Gammon, I'm not going to talk trash, but he, he's, you know, Blaze Gammon is, like Dalton's shown a little bit, he is what he is. Blaze Gammon's not going to explode and all of a sudden. A little be limited. A, yeah, not going to be a superstar all of a sudden. Sammy Wheeler. You know, I mean, good athlete. We all love Sammy Wheeler, but, you know, that's that's a bit of a reach to expect a guy to go from quarterback to be ready to be a big-time contributor. Adam Harcher I like, but, again, uh, you know, Blaze Gammon type, 
Connor Fox put on a lot of weight. Maybe he could help out, but still, I don't know, man. Like Kurt said, I think tight end fullback's really important. I think Nick Linders is the best talent they have at those spots, and I hope he is good to go for them when the season starts. Wrapping up football, we got one more football-related question, then I'll ask Matt a football recruiting question before we do a little bit of basketball talk to wrap this all up. Um, it's Fall camp hasn't opened. You know, it's, it's been a while since spring. So, uh, you know, what anything you guys may hear, you have to take with a grain of salt. But has anything come out from, you know, whether it's not putting up crazy numbers with Coach Dawson in the weight room or just the player-run workouts? Is there any name that you guys have heard that we haven't touched on that is really having a good summer and is going to start fall camp here in a couple weeks with a lot of momentum? Well, I know, like, Wyatt Hubert said that he – he basically just put on like 20 pounds of muscle. Mm-hmm. I think he said he went from 245 to 265, yeah, 260, great. 265. And, I mean, yeah, like he's that, – That man ponytail? Oh, oh, oh. He's got the man That's what going. I would do. Like if I could pick any hairstyle that I could own and wear, that's what I would do. Love it. Really? Yes. I'm so jealous of it. When I lived – you won't believe this, Kurtz. When I lived in Nashville and worked for Rivals, I would go to the gym with a ponytail on top of my head. And I loved it. I thought it was so cool. You know, serious right I'm now? totally serious. Yeah. <laughs> I like, like I grew my hair out. My hair was like down to here in the front, here in the back, and then I would pull it all together and oh, go ponies on top. I like on the, the top center. Oh, I that. loved it. I, I like felt so cool. I really do, but I can't imagine that. Honestly. It looks even yeah, cooler I, when you pull it back and you have a receding hairline. <laughs> and you still <laughs> and you still like I didn't do it every time, but there was times when I had enough. I'm like, I always wanted to do that. Oh so I'd pull it up here. I'm, I keep using my hands like you guys can see it on TV. Is there a picture of this somewhere? You no, but you can find some good pictures of long hair, Dale. I mean, and you can imagine it. I'll see if I can find a good one for you yeah you know? i would like to see that oh, i would be, like to see but that. white hubert oh, what he's a beast like he, he looks great he's a beast and i mean he's somebody that i think is providing a ton of leadership and uh everything as well in in the off season so like that's that's the guy that immediately jumped to mind when you started saying that like i, I think he's gonna be a uh, star um i i like reggie walker and i understand why reggie walker gets the benefit of the doubt on the preseason team I think there's a better chance Wyatt Hubert ends up on the, the postseason All-Big 12 team. I think yeah. both of them will make it, just like they were on my preseason All-Big 12. You just going to fill out the same one and send it out again? All, yeah, I'm, I'm going to. <laughs> just save it. I, I'm again. actually going to see, like, you know, how – all in K State, I can get before they just before they take it Joni away from you. Emails me back and says, "Hey, <laughs> hey, uh, are you the guy who picked yeah, uh, John Holcomb as the first team quarterback yeah, for the Big Twelve? We're 12? gonna have to uh, take that privilege away. So, yeah. but no, it, it, I, I'm I'm excited for it. Uh, t- talking to Wyatt in the breakout session, I heard him say that his vertical has improved even after putting in D- yeah, you all that weight. Because D.Y. came to me and said he heard that too, but I didn't know where he heard it, and it was from you apparently. Well, so, no. You had heard mean, him say it. I heard least. it like yeah. right at the buzzer. Like, Did you ever hear the number 34 inches? He said that to somebody apparently. They yeah. Had 30, so, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, he said it to me. He said it to you, uh, yeah. It's pretty good for 265. back. Like, he said, like, he was kind of making fun of Reggie Walker. Reggie Walker hit a 35 at some point, but he was a little skeptical of that, but he said he could do 34 and a half. Yeah. I, if I had obscure, obscure is the wrong word, but you, you know, guys, uh, um, this is Jax Deneen was somebody I asked, I asked why he was the sea wolf. I said to bring That's up, his I, I said, tell me what Seawolf. the sea wolf Jax Deneen is. Yeah. I just why? came up. Well, because I was trying to find like different names of military tanks, uh-huh. but those are like all, <laughs> so I was trying, yeah, you know, so I'm like, you know how it is. You're sitting it. around yeah, looking yeah, for different oh, names. Yeah. So. yeah. The, the secret day job probably is like <laughs> looking at my browsing. Why is you know, Scott Wildcat looking for all these different. Do they ever call you Scott Wildcat at work? Uh, 
No, but like I wish the, the idea of me having a podcast has come out in mm. the secret day job. So there's a lot more people who know and might actually be listening to this. Hopefully, you um, say great things about the secret day job. No, I'm not even kidding. I'm not even kidding. I'm not even kidding. It's yeah. much better than the old secret day job. R.I.P. That company. That one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I was trying to find different tanks. Like oh, like just like a cool name for a tank. But all the like American military military tanks are like. M four seven six like something stupid. So no one wants that. I was just like, all right, uh, submarine. He's kind of short, you know, low to the ground. Yeah. And then they have much better names for the military submarines. That's very so interesting. Then I saw Sea Wolf. I was like, that's like, Jack's name. Oh, so you're not saying like the letter C? You're no, saying, no, no. S-E-A. Now it's even better. I thought yes. it was just Sea Wolf. No, 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 no. That sounds like a crappy wrestler name or something. Oh, come on. Yeah, I mean, but like. But, I mean, you know, he'd be the one, because I asked White, he was like, hey, just tell me, a, almost like your question, just tell me a dude we're not talking about who's a good player. And he thought, he said, well, Jack Stanine, eventually. That's good for my, another first-team All-Big 12 preseason. Well, pick. I tell you what. <laughs> I, I wasn't going to leave fullback NA, I, so I put Jack Stanine. I, I didn't know what to do at fullback, because I didn't want to put Jack Stanine. If I felt we like all would have put Jack Stanine on it. there, I he would have made it. But I would have looked super homer, I thought. And then, two. Like, why do they even put fullback on there? Like, because then, then the, the guys see the first team had three running backs on there. So other people yeah. were cheating. Did you do it? Did you write three running backs? Well, no, we've been over this. Like, I, okay. I never fill out a ballot. Oh, yeah. I never mind. Uh, <laughs> I forgot. Well, I put cool in A. School. But I don't like these guys who cheated and put, you know, Chubba Hubbard. At I fullback, actually don't. You know? Ready for my theory? I yeah. don't think that they did that. I think what happened. The Big 12 was, just said, yeah, ah, no one My guess is like me so. and Grant were the only two people. Oh, and the Heartland Texas, College sports yeah. guys. Like, one of them put Luke, Luke Selwell. Yeah, Luke right. Selwell got yeah. put. So I, I think it probably was like, okay, there's a hodgepodge. Like, no one had more than, like, six votes. Yeah. So we're just going to put, like, the the running back that was I right on the they did. So that's my guess. But the Seawolf, I, I want him to get four years all Big 12 fullback. Could so happen. So I'm going to campaign for it hard. Um, and before we wrap it up, I would be remiss not to at least touch on recruiting. You brought it up. Already have 18 commits, Matt. So they're going to fill between seven and twelve spots yeah. based on projections DY was giving. Uh, what are how are they going to recruit in season? And uh, you know how do you think the next? Because I guess open period starts back up in what nine days? Yeah, July into July. What is in July today? before August? Yeah, whenever this pod so, runs, late July they'll be recruiting again. Early yeah, August. So yeah. just just let us know like what should we expect for the remaining of recruiting for 2020? Because we all know that they're going to, you know, they're starting on 2021 already. Right. But for 2020, what what are your thoughts? You've nailed it, man. I mean, 7 to 12. 7 more commits gives them 25, which I think is the least they're going to sign. 12 puts them at 30. I think the number I'm randomly decided to project out is 29. I can't remember. I had a reason for it. You know, I'm working on a 29-man class. But let me think so spot by spot. They're done at quarterback. They would take another running back if they could, if he was a little physically bigger. They're done at fullback, H-back. They're done at tight end. They would take I, I think up to two more receivers. The Philip Brooks thing's interesting because if you know if he's on scholarship, that's a freshman who they give that scholarship to. So that changes that position a little bit. So they could take as few as one more receiver. Offensive line, they need offensive tackle desperately. Really, hopefully, grad transfer, junior college transfer, high school kids. They could take as many as three to four more linemen. So if you're counting, you got one more running back, two more receivers. That's three. Three more linemen is six. So you're already you know halfway done on defense. They could be done at D-tackle, but there's another one out of Florida, Jerez Newton, who's got a lot of nice offers, who's going to visit K-State this year. So you could have one more D-tackle. I think they want to go bigger at DN more than just Nate Matlack. So I think maybe two more DNs. That's up to nine more commits now we're talking about. I think they'd take one more linebacker, 
Um, it won't be Isaiah Childs. He's going to play running back at Akron. So that would be 10, you know, if you're looking at a perfect scenario before you get to the secondary. And then you're going to sprinkle in some corner secondary help. So that's how they're looking at using those scholarships and how they're going to do it. Like you said, they, they love to be on the 2021, even 2022 right now. So they're not going to rush it. They're not going to just, they offer kids that don't, that don't matter. But if they could have this wrapped up, you know, after the first month of the season, you know, if by the end of August, you know, what season starts really in September. If by the end of September, they're, I bet they want to be, I'm just guessing, 24, 25, 26 commits. I, I'd like to think that when October 1st, you know, the month of my birthday, just so you all know out there, um, hits that they're basically done and on to 2021 and hopefully bringing in visits for that class um, for the rest of the season. That's what I like to hear. John, we'll, we'll move into basketball. You had actually a Cleveland Cavalier beat rider type guy come on to your show, and I consider you one of the leading basketball minds amongst mm. the K-State media. No matter what yeah. uh, Matt over there is, <laughs> is trying to say, how would you just quickly let uh, the fans that aren't all in on basketball, how would you tell a layman how Dean Wade and Barry Brown as well have been doing in the summer league and what are their prospects moving into this NBA season? Yeah, like Barry Brown's a much tougher one for me to to really legitimately tell you like what his chances are um, because like he's had some nice moments in, in summer league, but he hasn't – I don't know that he's done anything that's totally blown anybody away. And, and the way Bruce Weber talked about him the other day, he said, I think Barry is going to be like Rodney. He'll will his way into the league at some point. But, like, the, the way that was talked about, I don't think it's going to be this year. I think it will take Barry some time. Now, whether or not he could latch on, like, in the G League or what his path exactly is going to be, um, I don't know. It, it's interesting. Now, this is some speculation on my part, but I'm pretty sure Rodney Magruder's family was pretty well off. Like, they, they had a decent amount of money, and I think that helped in him being able to go through the G League as opposed to playing overseas because that's the dilemma for a lot of people. Make – 35 grand in the G League or make six figures overseas. Um, so Barry Brown, I believe, is in the same kind of a position. Again, I, if I'm wrong, I apologize, but this is me speculating here. I think that could help him out if he wants to uh, go that route. And then Dean, I mean, I, I think Dean has a legitimate chance here because the insight that I gained from the, the Cavs beat writer. Well, so first of all, he's on a two-way contract, which is already a, a step a step and a half above Barry Brown which means he can play both with the G League team of the Cavs and with the actual NBA team. There's a limit on how much time he can What's spend the Cavs with the G actual team called? NBA team. Do you know? Uh, I just want to know. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna look, I'm looking it up because I'm curious. I, I would call them the Musketeers. Kind we'll of see if they are. I'm pretty sure it's in the state of Ohio. That's why it's really bothering me, and I, I should know that. Uh, Dayton or something. I don't know. But So he, he can play both. I think he'll probably start – in the G League, uh, he had a nice summer league. He definitely had some good moments. There were a couple games where he was like plus 20 on the plus minus and led the team a couple of times, which just means when he's on the floor, they were plus 20 in terms of the scoreboard. So that's pretty good. Um, Canton Charge. Canton. There we go. The Canton Whoa. Charge. Canton Charge. Hey, you know. From a Canton Galva guy, I kind of like hearing a Canton team. The, the thing with the Cavs is that the, the Cavs charge. are a terrible team, and they're they're. it sounds like – the insight that I got from the Cavs guys that it may be a fire sale where they're trying to, you know, just dump assets throughout the season, which would clear up more space for Dean Wade to come in and play. So, I mean, I after watching him some in summer league, like I this is opinion here, legitimately think if he stays healthy, he's going to have some kind of NBA career. Like he he will find some regular playing time in the NBA. 
I don't think that means he'll be a, a superstar or whatever, but I think he can be a contributor in the NBA if he stays healthy. I would say everything that's happened since he left K-State has been pretty pretty darn positive for Dean. The fact that he got a two-way deal, the fact that he has stayed healthy, uh, I think those things are pretty big for him. You guys know what the Bulls G League team's name is? The Bulls. You're correct. Yeah. Good job. The Windy City <laughs> They're the Windy Bulls. City Bulls, though. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, Matt, we'll, we'll throw this one to you. Uh, Nigel Pack really has had a great summer on the AAU or whatever, and NYB, whatever the names of these Whatever they're circuits. calling those yes. things now. He had a great peach jam. Is he going to be the next Dejuan Gordon in the sense that, hey, when he committed, and I believe this is the same for Dejuan, mm-hmm. was not a top 150 guy. Correct. Dejuan eventually ended up getting a fourth-star top 100 guy. Now, I'm not – trying to put all that pressure on uh, Nigel Pack. Yeah, you are. Maybe I am. This right maybe now. I am. Is he the <laughs> yeah. next one? Is he going to have a meteoric rise to maybe not get the fourth star but be a top 150 contender? Uh, I think so. I don't think he'll ever – I don't think he'll get to where Dejuan Gordon finished, which was like 73 in the Rivals 150. And Bossy and, and, wanted and, to and go higher. Bossy would have gone higher on him. I mean, um, I think so. I tell you what. I don't want to mess this up, so I'm going to ask, like, who's our who's our bookie sponsor again? My bookie. My bookie. So if you were on my bookie and you forced me to go yes or no, will Nigel Pack ever get a four star? I might say yes. Whoa. I, I think he I think he will. Um, and, and and there's some Homer in this. Like I know how much K State likes him, and so I like him and all that kind of stuff. But I'm in. This is a guy that K State made really clear to me they thought was a star, you know, and that they thought I don't know how many times I heard from my sources like we've got to get him before July and before he goes to the Peach Jam before everyone sees him, and they did. Of course they got him, and now you look at the Peach Jam and people say what's that? Well, it's the best, you know, ju- ju- I say junior college, the best high school players in the country playing on loaded AAU teams against each other. A great competition down there in Georgia. You know, the guy shot the only game he didn't he shot it great one game he didn't shoot it well he went like seven of 23 shooting the ball which is bad and that game he had a triple double you know he put up Messed like around and right, got a triple so double. i mean he's small he's not an elite athlete so i'm not telling you guys to he's not going to be dejuan gordon in that sense but this he's a he's a really really good player i will bet you guys anything he'll finish in the top 150 and that's a three star i have no doubt about that but i think he will get closest to that dejuan gordon hype where by the time it's all said and done he will be seen probably as a top 100 kid and a French four-star player. I really like him. Sounds like a great thing to uh, use in my bookie promo code, boys. You know, 50% match. Do they do know? prop that's bets what, like that there? Can you, like. can you make up a prop bet? Like I'll, I'll talk to our guy, okay. and we'll see if we can get it on there. Um, so you guys were both at the Big 12 media – or not the Big 12, the basketball right. media availability that uh, Tom Gilbert set up. Uh, so when is Tom Gilbert going to be on Bosco's? Well, he so we I have a decent relationship. He helped me set up yeah. Bruce last year, and since we are, and I'm going to break a little news. Starting in August, we're going to go do three shows a three week. Three shows a week. Uh, so we That's might as many be, as you do almost. We might <laughs> we might be trying to uh, talk with Tom and get uh, some folks from basketball on a little earlier in the season than we did last year. So uh, shout out, Tom. I know you're listening. I'll be sliding into the email inbox soon. Uh, But the comment that stuck out to me is they're sticking by the whole Xavier Sneed is going to play the wing 90 to 95% of the time, which is, I believe, the quote out there. So Mm -hmm. two things when it comes to that. A, do you believe that? Well, actually, it'll be three things. A, do you believe that? B, does that have a direct correlation with the amount of minutes Dejuan Gordon's going to get? And C, does that mean that between Montavious Murphy and Antonio Gordon, they're going to have to play the majority of the minutes at the four, and will they be ready for it? 
Well, I think that's the question, and I, Bruce even threw in this caveat that mm-hmm. the 90 to 95 percent thing is like that's in an ideal world, which hinges on Montavious Murphy, Antonio Gordon being ready to handle a decent amount of minutes at the four. Like that's that's going to dictate a lot of this. Obviously, I think like you know Levi Stockard could come into play there if he winds up taking a, a significant jump and becomes a more productive player. It hinges on what's going to happen there because when push comes to shove, like when they. You know, I'm sure that some of this was calculated and that Xavier Sneed is trying to decide if he's going to come back or not, and that got closer than they thought to, to not going their way. So I think there probably were discussions with Xavier Sneed about his future and that being at the three. But when push comes to shove in season, I mean, is Xavier Sneed going to tell him no if they're in the middle of a game where, <laughs> you know, like Montavious Murphy is really struggling and they like, don't have any other options at the floor? You know the Scottie Pippen pulls himself out story? Remember that from like the early 90s? I don't. Well, Scottie Pippen, when Jordan was retired, they didn't drop the last shot for him. It was for Kukoc, so Pippen literally pulled himself out and wouldn't do it. You're not saying X is going to just go sit at the end of the bench right, and say, I mean, like, that's no, the thing. Like, not playing the four, jerk. You know, I mean, this is a guy, like, he was playing the majority of the minutes at the four at the end of last year when Dean Wade was out. He, he clearly can do it. He's more than capable. And it's probably – honestly, it, it probably is best-case scenario for the team. Unless Montavious Murphy is further along than I would expect, that's probably what's going to be best for the team. So I'm sure they'll stick with that at first. But depending on how the season is going, I have my doubts as to how stringent that will actually be. And, and then for Dejuan Gordon playing, I think the reason Dejuan Gordon's going to get a lot of minutes is because my concern right now is coming out of that media thing is, is guard because – David Sloan, Bruce Weber said, is making progress, but they're still not sure he'll be playing live hoops until September. And it was a really sensitive bone that that he broke in his wrist, and it made me nervous about the the possibility of re-aggravating that. I asked about Sean Neal Williams, and he said, well, I really want to see him take another step. That's concerning. Um, and then McGraw broke Mike, his finger. Mike, right, Mike McGraw has a broken finger and is out for a month, so – yeah, Dejuan Gordon better be ready to play. I mean, those guys, those guys really will have to be ready to go. Yeah, I feel very much the same. I, I don't. They're they're not lying about the ninety ninety five percent. They believe that, but I would, again, I'm taking the the under on that. I don't think he's going to play ninety five percent of his. You know, the I was going to say snaps. They don't do snaps in football, but um, I think he'll play a lot of three. And I think we got a glimpse into what Bruce's pitch was when he said the words to us in that presser. We had to, you know, maybe he can be the next guy like Rodney and then like Wes, you know, two guys who stayed four years, basically played the wing and went to the NBA after their senior years. I think that's probably what they talked to X about. So I think I think they want to play him at the three, and I think they will. But it's going to take some best-case scenarios playing out to to keep him at the three. It means, like you said, Scott, like either Antonio Gordon or Montavious Murphy or both will be good enough to play a combined 20, 25, 30 minutes at the four. Or a situation happens like Kurtz talked about where it's Levi Stockard, or I'm just going to say, what if James Love or Nigel Shad can push Mac to the four, which is probably his real position like Bruce kind of talked about. Then you could leave X at the three if Mac's playing the four. But you're going to play your best guys, you know, and like one of the best things that could keep X at the three would be guard troubles because then you slide everyone up. So if Cardi has to play the one, Dejuan plays the two, X plays the three, then you can play your guys, all the, you know, your best three at those spots, whatever. So not that guard depth, lacking is a good thing it's not but if that happens it probably creates a better chance for x to stay on the perimeter than be pushed down because if sean neil williams and david sloan and and mike mcgirl are all going there's too much talent and depth at those one through three spots to not push x down to the four for at least at least some long stretches all right i don't need a long explanation i just need one just give me your answer if xavier sneed 
is to play more of his minutes at the three than the four, will it be because, A, one or both of the true freshmen play so well at the four that they feel comfortable playing them there, or, B, one of the bigs behind Mac play so well that they slide Mac up to the four. Let's do the same time. Oh, I was going to do the same time. Freshman. Uh, yeah, same. Freshman. I was going to do like a one, two, three, like John Stamos, you know? The stepbrothers? No. Yeah. It's not, you get it? it was yes, okay. but it's not know, that funny. Do, do we become best friends? Got, yeah, guys, exactly. Exactly. You guys are no less miles than Bill Self. No, we're not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, so we're going to wrap. I'd be Bill Self in that. I just claimed him, though. Yeah, you have because be less, you have to be less. Well, I was about why, to say because that? of the hair. Neither of you have any hair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but guess what? Neither one of them do. I yeah. saw Les Miles in no, the Les morning. Is running away, and right? Holy crap! Like he has the entire like crown spot on the top of his mm. head. It's good. But we're we're done. He likes coffee too, he, right? Oh man, he was pissed <laughs> that there was not free coffee in the lobby of the hotel and that he had to pay for it. He came back two or three times. Was arguing with the front desk man. It was a bad look. You know what's funny? Les Miles has to sit there and fight and argue about that. Bill Self is so smooth that if they would have, uh, he would have gotten the free coffee. Someone would have gone have. and got him free coffee. He because I would have gotten Bill Self free. Oh, coffee. I would have. Yeah, too. I would have too. Probably. If Bill Self walked up to me and said, "Hey, Matt, can you get me a coffee?" Like I would be sprinting to buy him one before he could finish his sentence. And I hate KU, but I mean that guy is a charmer. He is a like, charmer. Yeah. So, uh, real quick, Bruce Weber. Uh, it's been talked about to death about him winning a gold medal and whether or not it's actually going to help he out. Yes, USA. USA. We love USA. And Shane, he got that fun experience as well. Uh, But just real quick, how happy are you guys that he is just able to put something else on the trophy mantle, another feather in his cap for a guy that I think all three of us agree he is a great dude and still seems to be getting a little bit of a raw deal with some of the fans. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's cool for a guy who uh, every, you know, perception, much like like we talked about Gene Taylor and Chris Kleiman, it's like all – all these freaking K-State fans just think that everybody in the athletic department is just like goobers and, you know, uh, just a bunch of boobs that can't do anything. Like Bruce Weber is another guy that's been under attack for all of that. And, like, I get it. He he can be kind of a weird guy sometimes. But he also is really respected in the basketball world and has to be to be put in charge of that, that team. Uh, guys like John Calipari, Larry Brown have been in charge of that team and not won the gold medal. So, you know, there's still something to be said for him doing that. And it's I don't know that it's going to do really anything for K-State and his profile there, but it is, it's another thing to add to just what is a pretty long laundry list of accomplishments that he has in his basketball career. That's what I was going to say. And, look, Bruce Weber is not perfect. Uh, you have the right to criticize him as a K-State basketball fan or writer, and I will too this year. But at some point, someone's going to step back and say – and really look at what that guy's accomplished in his basketball coaching career and say, holy cow. I mean, you walk through the time at Southern Illinois, taking them to the Sweet 16, Illinois going, what, 37-1 and one or 37-2 and two and playing for the national championship, winning a number of Big Ten titles. Now at K-State, he's won two Big 12 titles, gone to Elite Eight. Now he wins a gold medal. Like, he, he's somebody that if, you know, you put somebody else's name and face on him and said he's one of the top ten coaches of the country, you'd say, of course, look at his accomplishments. Of course he is. But since he's Bruce Weber and his voice is funny and he had a rough two-year stretch in the middle of K-State, we can't say that. But I think he's some, one of those guys that when he retires, at some point you look back at his career, you'll say he was one of the better coaches of this era of college basketball. I agree. Um, that's all we got. But as always, oh man. Well, hold on. Okay. <laughs> as always, the the final word goes out to the guests. Uh, first off, we'll start with Matt Hall. Matt, you can say anything to the boneheads, and then also tell them what bone they hounds. can. Ex- no, you got shut down. We. I like bonehounds. Well, 
Whatever. Well, hey, anyone who becomes a fan after the John Kurtz era, which has officially started. They could be a bonehound. Anyone who is a fan from this moment on, just came from this episode on, you can be a bonehound. Everyone yes. before is a bonehead. Matt, so address the boneheads, bonehounds. Uh, tell them whatever you want, and then let them know what's coming on at KSO between Nothing. now and kickoff. I'd rather – I think we're just going to shut it down for about a month and a half. <laughs> if you keep paying us, though, that, that'd be great. Um I'll get to that in a second, but I just want to say, same rant that you see on the message boards and on Twitter and stuff. I know there's stuff going on with Kansas City Radio right now, and people change in, and people are like, oh, we're the K-State voices. And those are all reasonable concerns. And this has been said. I'm just going to say it again. Like, if that bothers you that there's not enough voices for K-State media out there or you're not hearing enough on the radio or whatever, um, tell your friends to listen to this show. Tell your friends to listen to Faithful to Our Colors. Tell your friends to listen to the game. Like, tell your friends line. We say it to be funny because Jeff Martin brought it up and – but, like, there's some meaning to it. And you guys, when I say you guys, boneheads, bonehounds, listeners in general, you do have control over this. And if somebody starts to notice that this show, whether it's Bosco's, gets this bajillion many views, or if it's Kurtz's, gets this many views, 610 sees that stuff, like, that's going to impact people. You guys have more of a voice than you think you do. Um, please listen to this stuff. Please share it. Please tweet it. Please whatever. I know you hear this all the time, and it goes over you know not over your head just in one ear not the other because everyone says this crap all the time but it's meaningful and if so if you're somebody who wants to hear more john kurtz in those stations or wants to hear more listen to their gosh darn shows retweet them say you're proud of them um and all that stuff and as far as the site man we'll just do the very best we can um we're more excited for this year than we probably ever have been because it's so different and i think we'll just do a good, good job i hope awesome uh, John, I don't know if we had the formal presentation of the koozies at the top of the show, but you, you do have them your Adam, two. You uh, yeah, well, I, I don't. I can't remember if we were on or not. So you now have your two uh, Bosco's voice koozies. You can use that for your uh, Diet Dr. Pepper's inside uh, Manhattan Broadcasting yes. Community because of the grassroots effort. That tells you how long I've been listening. I remember when you guys campaigned to get Diet Dr. Pepper. Back. And it works. It did work. So tell everyone uh, how they can listen to you. I, we brought up your podcast a couple times, but uh, you know, talk about your podcast, talk about your radio show, and uh, then we'll get out of here. Well, yeah, first of all, I, I would like to piggyback kind of on what Matt is saying. And like he points out that there are all of these options. There's Bosco's Boys. There's yeah, the other guys. Short side say. option. Yeah. There's there's the KSO show. There's Faithful to Our Colors. There's the game. Like I'll say Go Paracat. There's I mean there's there's podcasts everywhere, man. Yes, you know? there's I mean, so yeah. much. There's so much that's out there. And like I really do truly believe I, I you can take this as self centered or what, but like I, I really truly believe a lot of what's being done by all of us is like stuff that is really cool and it's kind of like a golden age of K State sports media because of that. Like I, I do legitimately uh, believe that so as much as you can support it and push it is absolutely helpful um, I know like I, I always feel bad having to ask like on faithful to our colors like hey go download radio.com and right uh, click subscribe there and stuff but like that legitimately does have a tangible impact if you just take the effort to go do that and I think Matt has really tapped into something and helped me tap into something that's important is like Hey guys, like if you want more respect in Kansas City, which it's tough if you're not Kansas, the Chiefs, or the Royals, then going and listening to these things legitimately does send a message. Like I, I tell these guys all the time, but the the higher ups at six ten that I do that faithful to our colors podcast through, like they have been legitimately surprised and impacted by the amount of people, the response that that those things have gotten. And the more that you spread the word the more that does resonate and send a message because that's the, I mean, that's a station like they were a KU affiliate 
and I've I know that like their strategy, which honestly is kind of sound in Kansas City. Like yeah. if you're if you talk K State or Missouri, the inclination is okay. Well, two thirds of my audience is turning that off. You talk Kansas. K-State and Missouri hate Kansas, so there's a better chance that they're going to tune in and listen to, to hate listen or whatever, you know? I mean, so uh, in addition to just the way the Chiefs are right now, you're, it's tough to find breathing room with Patrick Mahomes and all that. Like, what I'm telling you is you got to fight for your your airtime and you got to fight for your respect there, and as a fan, you do have a voice by by downloading those and listening to them. So you can, uh, you can listen to Faithful to Our Colors. It's on Apple Podcasts, uh, Google uh, I think it may even be on Stitcher. I'm not 100% Ask sure Jeeves. where. Ask yeah, Radio.com. Radio, radio.com, obviously. Radio.com, yeah. Uh, so, you know, subscribe, download, uh, rate and review. Also, definitely helps if you can do that wherever you're listening to them. And if you are somebody that hasn't listened to the game, which is just our daily show, I mean, that's that's basically just a daily version of Faithful to Our Colors that we're doing, a two-hour show from 4 to 6. You can listen on K-Man. You can listen on newsradio, kman.com. But, I mean, I'm a huge podcast listener. I always think it's easier to go that route. You can find us on uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Just search the game KMAN. Do you listen to your own pod, Scott, on one and a half speed? Oh, 2X. 2X for yourself? What yeah. do you listen to me, me and Kurt's on? 2X. Do I sound, don't I sound really fast on 2X? Like, I ramble fast already. No, I mean, I've trained you myself to listen. Okay. There's a uh, very prominent uh, political... Uh, podcast i won't bring it up because people yeah, you know people, politics yeah. he talks really fast and i like if i can listen to him on 2x i can listen to anything on 2x so that's how i listen to it uh grant copeland or grant ksu i i, <laughs> I always forget if we do our personas hey, whatever. Whatever. doesn't matter he thinks i'm a sociopath for doing that uh so when we drove down to media days we listened on 1x speed and you guys actually, John, I can't remember if you were on the episode or not, but John talks at a good speed. It doesn't make me want to, like, stab my ears listening to him <laughs> right. at 1X, but there's some of them. Oh, my God. Like Mason Voth. Say well, no, I'm, yeah. No, no. Yeah. There's some other podcasts out there, some, like, national college sports ones, that if I try to go back and listen to it on 1X or an NPR on 1X, I can't. It's like, it's, it's Wednesday here in a July yeah. as we're getting excited for the college football season. That's still faster. To so. pick it up. Yeah. But, th- but that's all we got. Um, we love you guys. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Again, as always, check out all the great stuff John's doing. Check out Matt at KSO. Uh, these are, when it, when it comes to multimedia and putting out K-State content, these two are the best in the biz right now. So, 1A and uh, 1B. Yeah, <laughs> who's the A? I don't know. No, I think it's one two. John's putting out a daily two hour show. So John does a daily show. Don does a daily show. Not the daily a show podcast. and a podcast and the Boscos today. So yes. I would agree. One B. One B. No two. Two. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I heard. Right. A, yeah, one two. But we've gone long enough. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, and again, just keep tuning in. We're gonna keep uh, cranking out the hashtag content. So have a good rest of your day, evening, whatever. I'm going to have to stop now. Cat heads.
Social Podcast Network.